Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I got to interview my friend Kylie Siebert Wongrowski. She is a lavender farmer from Ohio and we honestly just had the best time talking and I think you'll hear that through our episode. Kylie is one of my greatest friends over on the gram and I think you two are going to fall in love with Kylie. But before we get to today's episode, we're going to do some housekeeping. So first off, I am going to read one of your reviews that was left for the Real Woman podcast. This review comes from Megan over at Lee Co. Honey, and it is a five-star review titled, Finally, Something for Us. I've been so excited for this podcast. Way to go, friends. Love, love, love. Well, thank you, Megan. We love you too over here at the Real Woman podcast. I just love reading your reviews and I thank you so much for them. Your ratings help with the ranking over on iTunes and other platforms when you share this podcast. So please keep sharing. And I have some exciting news. I just went and pressed refresh on my download count before I started recording this intro. And the Rural Woman podcast has officially over 5,000 downloads already. And I just honestly can't thank you enough for your continued support and sharing of the podcast. And I, I'm overwhelmed, just like I always am. I feel like I'm always overwhelmed when I'm talking to you. <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much for your continued love and support of the podcast. It has been something that has really gotten bigger than I ever thought would. And I thank you so much. And I just want to mention again about the Rural Woman Podcast community over on Facebook. We are forever growing and I would like you to be a part of it. So make sure you head on over to Facebook and either search Wild Rose Farmer or you can search the Rural Woman Podcast community to join. One other thing I wanted to do before we get to Kylie's episode today is there was an article posted by the Tri-State Livestock News on May 8th that I wanted to share and read with you because I think this article really fits in nicely with Kylie's episode and her hashtag that she hosts of Women's Work Wednesday. And I'm just going to read the article to you and I will post it in the show notes too if you want to go back and refer to it. The article is titled, A Woman's Heart, Ladies Who Tend Livestock Are Special The World Round. She is young, she is old, she's every age. She's a daughter, a mother, a sister, a wife. She's a horseman, a cattlewoman, a farmer, a veterinarian. She's a bookkeeper, housekeeper, and a keeper of the secrets and the stories. She makes traditions and she bucks traditions. She cooks, she cleans, she breaks horses and breaks the dirt. She wears high heels and cowboy boots and gym shoes. She wears slacks, dress suits, and blue jeans. She has a manicure. She has dirt under her nails. Her home smells like bread and stew and cow manure. She spends her day tending babies to her fields, to her livestock, to the paperwork, and to her family. She prepares meals, prepares speeches, and prepares the machinery for more work. She isn't afraid to get covered in dirt, in grease, or sweat, but loves being pretty and clean. She drives a tractor, a combine, a team, an old feed pickup truck, and an SUV. She's every woman who's growing up ranching and farming, who is running her own operation, and who works in town to keep the dream alive. 
Her boots might not set foot in the field or her butt in the saddle every day, but she's agriculture, through and through. She's watched calves be born, lamb die, nurse colts and puppies and barn kitties back to life. She's planted crops, waited for them to sprout, and prayed for the rain. She's prayed for sunshine, good harvests, good prices, and good health. She's weathered the storms and rallied. She is you. She is me. She is every single woman who's believed that agriculture is one of society's greatest pursuits. She believes in providing food for others, in taking care of her livestock and her ground, and is a steward of the land. To all of the women in agriculture, thank you for sharing your love of this lifestyle with the rest of the world. May you continue to work hard out in front or behind the scenes. You may go unseen, but not unnoticed. Your work ethic, your heart, and your ability to persevere is inspiring to so many. Now, if that doesn't hit you right in the feelers, I don't know whatever will. Like I've said in the past, we don't all farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but I think this article does a great job of describing the many hats that women in agriculture wear and how not everyone's hat is the same, but it doesn't make it any more or less special. I think this article just further proves that women in agriculture is a really powerful thing. This article was published on the Tri-State Livestock News by Rochelle Barrett, and I haven't been able to track down who Rochelle Barrett is on the World Wide Web, so if anybody knows who wrote this article, who Rochelle Barrett is, please send her my way because I just want to thank her personally for writing such a powerful article. And without further ado, here is my friend Kylie. Good morning, Kylie. How are you? Good morning. I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing so good. Thank you for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so exciting. I've never done this before. Well, I'm sure you'll be wonderful because <laughs> I was told and I had a conversation with Tara Beaver before that we think that you can do anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. All right. There's like already <laughs> There is already a standard set for you, Kylie. Aim high. You girl- <laughs> You girls are always in my corner. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So Kylie, for my listeners who are unaware of who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Kylie Seibert-Wongrowski. I live in Northwest Ohio. My husband and I live on a 40-acre farm where we, this is actually where he grew up. This used to be a hog farm back in the day, but now it is a lavender farm, some livestock and grain farming mixed in. And what kind of That's livestock? <laughs> what kind of livestock <laughs> do you have? Um, we have Angus cattle. We have what's called low-line Angus, which we love. We can't just have like normal things, you know, it has to be like something funny. And then um, we have chickens, but those are raised for the eggs. And you have two very cute dogs, Reese the Weenie and oh. Colby Cheesy. Let's not forget <laughs> about them. They're not livestock, oh, yeah. but you Let's know. Let's not. No, but we cannot forget about them. They're a very important part of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And what kind of grain are you farming? So we do a, a rotation of soybeans and wheat. And then this year we will be doing corn. We kind of had our hand forced. We had that in like our three to five year plan, um, the different set of equipment that we didn't own, but then uh, the weather didn't work out (laughs) in order to um, maintain a good crop rotation. We 
ended up having to find some equipment and, and try corn this year. So that'll be an adventure. I have to tell the listeners about your husband, Scott, and <laughs> his love of chasing chickens. Yeah. Can, can you tell us about that video a little bit? <laughs> so we had a rooster and he was a great protector of the hens, but he also would protect them from us. And so he would chase my husband. And so one day, my we were trying to catch him to put him into the coop. And poor Scott <laughs> got caught in this loop of chasing him. And luckily for me and the rest of the world, I had my phone in my hand <laughs> to film him chasing Merle around the yard, trying to pick him up to put him in the coop. And as an added bonus, he had a really sweet, like, all red sweatsuit on. So that really made it... <laughs> I think I have literally watched a dozen times. And even this morning, I've watched it again before we started recording. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you guys can go and see this video that we're talking about. And uh, you're welcome, Scott, for going viral. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, he really liked it when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too good. All right. So let's move on to the lavender farming part yeah. of the whole operation. Tell us more about that. I really wanted like my own piece of what we were doing out here. And like, yes, I help run the equipment. I help do the grain farming. Like I feed the animals, like all that stuff happens. But I really wanted like my own part of it. And we had a limestone ridge, which like to the rest of my area is like, well, that's pretty useless because you don't have a lot of, you can't like grain farm a good portion of the front of this. And when my husband grew up here, it was a horse pasture. We don't our life doesn't really allow us to have like that kind of animal that needs that much care. And so I watched a TV show. <laughs> I watched a TV show. It was something crazy like like house hunters or something that I wouldn't have expected. It was people who had started a lavender farm. And they said like, yeah, it's a limestone, rocky, sandy soil. And I'm like, wait a minute, I have that. And then they started talking about like how they sold it. And what, like, honestly, it was like a 30 minute show. And I was like, yep. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I went to the garden store and bought, like now that I know how you buy lavender as like a lavender farmer, this is going to seem super silly, but I went to the garden store and bought like 25 or 50 garden plants of lavender. And they were like, oh my God, 15 or $20 a piece, which is just foolish now, but plopped them in the ground and made a lot of mistakes that first year, um, lost almost all of them. But then I had already decided that I was jumping it all in, in the following spring. And I had already ordered like 350 plants. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to, well, I totally did wrong here. And then I'm going to have to figure out how to make these, you know, make it. And they did, which was That's crazy. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that Scott grew up on the farm that you guys currently live at, but did you have any agriculture background before that? None. Um, no, I had, so I consider myself to be like, people always want you to like define like, are you a first generation farmer? Or are you second? Well, my grandfather farmed. And so like I had some exposure, but it was as a kid and like, it was little things like my grandpa and I would ride in the truck and check all of his fields in the summer. And so we'd ride around until we found a weed, we'd jump out of the truck, we'd pull it, we'd get back in, go Vader and like check prices. I think we did that a few times a day. Um, you know, and then we'd had different things that we would do. So I had like exposure, but not in the sense of agriculture at all. Like growing up, I went to school, 250 kids from my high school per class. And that's big out here. But I mean, other people are like, oh, that's not big. But 
I didn't have any exposure to anything like 4-H, FFA, none of that. I didn't even have any livestock exposure or anything like that. So definitely not. <laughs> you are preaching to the choir here. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I feel so connected to to your story because it's exa- I mean, you get here and you're like, what? I, my husband and I have to tell you a funny story. When we graduated from college, it was not a good time to graduate from college and find like a college level, like entry level job. And so we moved here to the farm and his mom was still living here. And I was working at a bank and and they had cattle and, you know, and I came out, my husband had left for work and his mom had left for work and I came out to leave and the cattle were in the driveway. And I called Scott and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. It was like the cows, they're in the driveway. He's like, put them away. I was like, wait, what? Put them away. What am I? And so he's on the phone and I'm going, shoo, 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 shoo. Scott's like, that's not going to work. You can't just play into the He's like, what gate do you have open? I was like, all of them. I don't, I don't even know what. <laughs> but I got them back into the gate that day. <laughs> they were in different pastures, but who cares? They were all locked up. And that was like my to like, this needs constant care. And I'm going to have to figure out like, if I'm going to be here, that what to do? Because if I'm alone and something like that happens, I mean, we've got, not to mention their lives, we've got thousands of dollars just wandering around near the road. Oh my goodness, Kylie, I can just see you now shooing the cows. <laughs> all, dress, all dressed up, you know, I've got like heels on and I'm running around going shoo shoo and I can just hear Scott yelling like, that's not gonna work. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> all right, so back to lavender farming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go back to something I really know about. (laughs) Um, So what year did you start your lavender farming? So technically my first plants went in the ground in August of 2017. Okay. And those are my test plot. And then you were able to harvest that year. um, So that was one of the hard lessons that I learned Um, in my zone. Planting in the fall for lavender is technically not desirable. I mean, people do it all over and it truly depends on your zone um, and the weather that you're going to experience. But spring planting is really more successful. So I put them in with the hopes that they would winter over well. And that winter was not very friendly for that. And just for reference, like if you get like a nice big snowfall and it covers it, you're great. But if you have not that, if you have something that like, let's say it freezes right away, it rains and then freezes on it. And then the wind blows, it kind of creates like a lot of breakage or like winter kill, which into that first year. Um, and so I came into the spring when they came out of the winter, they weren't great. Um, they did make a comeback a, a, fair, a fair amount, but not nothing that I would consider to be spring planting of the 2018. Like I think I did April-ish of 2018. Those I did end up harvesting last year. And where are you marketing your lavender to? I had originally intended to take it to farmers markets and I had originally um, thought like I'll take these bundles like people will be interested in that and I would just see what happens because lavender seems uh, no fail right because you dry it and it's still useful forever like there's no point in which it's like well that's ruined you have to throw it away and I, <laughs> I thought well I'm just gonna get the word out there and like just get people to be interested and Within like a few weeks of that, a local kombucha company contacted me and they're like, we've been searching for a lavender grower local, we'll buy it. And then I couldn't go to the market, which is fine, but I, cause I sold most of it to her last year. And so 
I did have some leftover buds and things and I do sign on Etsy. I made some like eye pillows and sachets and things like that around the holidays just to kind of see how that would go. But the majority of last year's crop went to um, what's called Bucci Mamas, which is a really cool um, kombucha company in my area. Very cool. And I ordered some of your lavender eye pillows and kept some for myself as well as gave them out at Christmas time as gifts and everybody loved them. No, I'm so glad to hear that. Something that I thought, well, I could create and hopefully people would like, and it had a good response. Kylie, do you have plans of expanding your lavender operation this year? Yes. Um, So 2018 went so well and I didn't, I didn't get to do what I had hoped to do with the lavender. And like, that sounds like a complaint. It's truly not. I um, had wanted to really be a person who was at the farmer's market because I wanted people to feel connected to me. And and I didn't get that chance because I sold it all, but that's great. Um, but I really want to still have that piece. And so I currently have like 375 plants in the ground, enough for um, 1,200 plants um, to go be total in the ground. Um, and I'm going to say that quietly because I told Scott that it's only 1,000. So don't tell him. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, he'll be able to count eventually, I think, but we'll <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, yes, I, we're expanding and I'm pretty pumped, but also equal parts terrified because of the challenges that come along with that. But I'm pretty pumped about it. If I know you, I know you can do anything you want. To, so. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kylie, you were busy this fall and winter traveling around the country talking to other farmers about the process you've gone through to become certified naturally grown. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. When I first started growing, I knew that I was going to be growing these plants naturally. So without the use of pesticides, herbicides, that kind of thing, and like truly no sort of like pest repellents, any of that, like nothing was truly going to go on these because my soil was appropriate for what I'm growing already. And actually the kombucha company I was talking about, they prided themselves on on sourcing products that are organic, organically certified. So like the USDA organic certification. And so she had asked the question that I do get a lot that's, that says, you know, are you organic? Well, I'm raising these plants organically, but the process for that just seemed a little too daunting for me. And so I set out to find another certification that way it for my size. And I came across uh, certified naturally grown. So we are a certification for smaller farmers dealing in local markets. So it's a certification that says that, you know, I am raising these things, um, the organic standard, but I'm raising them naturally. Um, and then we're peer reviewed, which is really cool. So a farmer in my area will come and review my farm to be sure that I am upholding the standards that I say I am. Both give something like accessible to small farmers and being able to visit each other, I think is really valuable. And one of the most valuable interactions that I had last year was through that um, because she came out and like not only spent time actually combing over everything that I wanted to do there and being able to kind of like help guide me as to what that looks like um, and and some pinch points that I was having and how I, that we could solve those things. And so I was pretty pumped about it, both telling people about it because not very many folks really know that much about it. And then somehow I fell into um, being someone who would travel and speak about it, which is super cool. It's just not something I saw coming and not something I have any experience in. But the United States Lavender Growers Association um, has like a national conference once a year. 
And that was the place that I spoke first. Like that was my first go around was this, um, I was going to speak about this and um, it went really well. And I went to, I think, three other conferences after that in order to do the same thing. So it was wild, but it also was really cool to meet all of those people. Very cool. If somebody was interested in learning how to become certified naturally grown, how would they go about doing that? So the process begins online. If you go to Certified Naturally Grown's website, like the terms of what, what we believe in and what how we grow and have some pretty cool things happening too. Like if you aren't familiar with that, there's a series of like webinars happening now that can talk about all the things that, you know, natural farming, but the application process begins online. And then once they have approved your application, you set up your your farm inspection from a local farmer. They come out and do your inspection and then you are certified. Is there a time period in which you're not able to use chemicals or pesticides on your field before you start the certification process? Yep. So here it would be three years um, that you have to do that. Now, um, one thing that does differ USDA's organic certification is that we do almost like a conditional approval, right? So if you know that you have used something or the previous owner of your property used something like say in the last two years, um, you are still able to be part of the program and you are in transition, but you find naturally grown. So you're provisionally approved um, to be part of that. And you still go through an process and you still are lifted up by our community in order to continue on to get your full certification. So that's pretty cool too. That's great. It's good to know that you have the support behind you can help you out along the way. Yeah, that's the coolest part of it for me is that, you know, there are other folks who have done it and they know how to help lift you up. It's more of a community than it is, you know, a story body, I guess. All right, Kylie, tell us what the most rewarding part of being a farmer is to you. You know, I was I was listening to your intro the other day. The funny thing is, is like, I feel like I've accomplished a lot of things, right? Like you check boxes off and you've done all these things like bucket list items, you know, but like there's really no better feeling than this in the ground. I tended to it. I weathered the storm literally of like the weather. I harvested it and then somebody can use it. Like there is just no better feeling than like all things and someone can benefit from that. Absolutely. 100% nail on it. <laughs> I love asking that question because I love everybody's answer and it always gives me the warm, fuzzy feeling. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's just, there's just nothing like it. Like you were saying in your intro, you got done and you're like, I just literally did all of that. And right. you can see it, right? Like there's things in life that you go through and you're like, I have ticked all these boxes, but like, it's never, it's never something that you're like, well, I can see that I've, you know, like you were talking about, um, Oh, I'm going to say the wrong word. What is it with the wheat field? Swathing. Swathing. <laughs> I was I was going to say. <laughs> it's kind of like that, I guess. I, oh, okay, cool. I yeah, yeah. Is there a difference? I don't know. I just I don't swath. Know. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, we don't swath here, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody so, listening knows the difference, please send an email to. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. To listen. Oh, shoot. Yeah. And so, you know. Being able to like stand back and look and know that you did it is just the coolest thing in the world. I agree. And I just think that food is such a powerful thing. Even lavender, like I'm sitting here with my lavender in my diffuser and it makes me so happy. <laughs> and it's just like, mm -hmm. I provided something that is providing nourishment or joy to somebody. And there's no better feeling than that, I think. so. Absolutely.
All right, now I want to talk about Instagram for a little bit here. You and I have been in community with each other for, I think it's been close to a year now, and you have recently started posting a hashtag on Wednesdays. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I I started a hashtag called Women's Work Wednesday. I felt really inspired by the Female Farmer Project, telling the stories of female farmers, and it's just incredible. And my Instagram presence has kind of like evolved over the year. It, year, isn't that funny? Um, but I originally, I was like, I just want to get out there into the world and like show pretty pictures of lavender. And then it like, we became linked up in this community of women farmers. And, and the coolest part of that is like, what I want to do now is like draw these women out that are doing all of these things who one may not realize that what they're doing is pretty awesome or two that there are all of us out there doing that and it doesn't and, and kind of going back to like some of the things that you were saying again in your intro but like I it can be kind of isolating because you don't know that we're out there use this tag to draw out and showcase like these are the things that we're doing and it's awesome and it should be celebrated and so it's been going for a few weeks now and it is just too cool to see like all of the things that people are bringing bring able like who are sitting down and like showing us what they are capable of doing. And I just think that's super powerful. And I love that you ask people over and over, what does women's work mean to you? It doesn't mm-hmm. really be that you're a farmer or that you're a rancher. It can be that you're a maker and that you're producing beautiful things, like I said, to bring joy to other people. And I think it's just so cool what you're doing. And the Rooted in the Valley Female Farmer Project is so great. Can't encourage anybody enough to go check it out. I will link all of that in the show notes as well. All right, Kylie. So where can the listeners connect with you after this episode? Um, so my favorite place to connect is obviously on Instagram. Um, my handle is at love underscore and underscore lavender. I also have um, an Etsy page that's linked there um, that kind of shows you some of the things right now because I'm almost out of lavender. So um, <laughs> it uh, will gear back up in the spring, late summer um, once I've done some harvesting. So that is my favorite place to connect can't wait to see all of the new creations that you come up with. We've said many times before, Kylie is a very multi-talented lady and can accomplish many things. So, Thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> Tara Beaver and I were discussing, we think that we need to have a female farmer retreat somewhere and uh, we Absolutely. are nominating you to organize that. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Great. We'll connect after the show. <laughs> You're all invited, by the way. Anybody that's listening, you're invited. Just message Kylie and ask for the details. So, (laughs) Please. Yes, please. I'm pretty (laughs) mostly reliable. That's so great. Thank you so much, Kylie. This has been so much fun chatting with you this morning. Oh, thanks for having me. We should do this like on Saturday mornings. It's kind of relaxing sitting here drinking coffee and chatting with a friend. I agree. I agree. Let's do it. (laughs) Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes, yes it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. 
consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.